forever unredeemable. Can I be a man who breaks from a lifetime of mistakes? Can my worst be left behind? And do I deserve to find a kind of love that I can lean on every day? Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome to the second to last episode of the year. This time we're talking about another brand new version of A Christmas Carol. That's actually two in a row. Last time we talked about the new Netflix animated version, and this time we're talking about the new musical version on Apple TV+. Apparently they're all streaming this year, how long before we get a new Disney Plus version. When I first heard of this one, I immediately thought the worst. I mean, a straight-to-streaming modern retelling of A Christmas Carol starring Will Ferrell, rated PG-13. How could this be anything but awful? I knew as soon as I heard about this one, I would need to do a podcast with Nikki from Trivial Theater. She's my go-to co-host when I think I've got a bomb on my hands. Even when a movie is terrible, she makes it fun. However, I think I might have been wrong about this movie, and I'm okay with that. Okay. Spirited. Spirited. This was actually way better than I thought it was going to be. Oh my god. I (laughs) I don't remember. I feel like I saw reviews for this and like there was one or two that were pretty positive but the rest were just like you know. Well I when I first saw the trailer I was like this is going to be a train wreck. I should do this one with Nikki. (laughs) (laughs) A fair, a fair <laughs> assumption, I'd say. <laughs> and then I started seeing some positive buzz. And then Rachel Wagner, who loves The Christmas Carol, had a very positive review. And I was like, okay, so maybe I misjudged this. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently I had, because I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. It's same. I kept on, like, throughout, I was thinking back to all the reviews that I had seen and just my... I guess my inner Scrooge was coming out and I kept trying to be like, okay, you know, there's this and there's that and there's the other thing. But I kept coming back to, I am genuinely enjoying this movie, you know, because I'm not Mm -hmm. like, I I love, I love Christmas movies, but there are those ones like it has to, I'm more a fan of Scrooge than I will ever be of say a classic Christmas Carol, you know? Mm -hmm. And this, there is some Scrooge in this, which is maybe the reason I really enjoyed it. I'm not sure, but yeah, I was gonna say this has a little bit more in common with Scrooge than it does with like the 1951 version. Oh, absolutely. Or Muppets Christmas Carol, or yeah, you know, name, yeah. Name any others. So mm-hmm. great dance routines, though. Like that was definitely pulling that whole thing. It's like, oh, it's got elements of hip hop, uh, Nutcracker in it. Yeah, a little bit. I was thinking kind of like Broadway because, oh, like, very. it felt like whenever the there was like a new dance routine. It felt like everything changed about the way they were filming it. It felt like the lighting changed, the cameras changed. It felt like a recording of a Broadway show. Well, and they even kind of explained one of the, I, I was a few minutes like getting in, but um, I caught the tail end of like the, and obviously we'll talk a little bit more about it, but um, I caught the the tail end of like the the thing that kind of sets up the premise of what they do. Mm-hmm. But then they go into the, they go back up to limbo or whatever you want to call it. And um, they even talk about how the afterlife is a musical. Yes. Which is actually pretty awesome. <laughs> yes. I laughed at that. But then it was like, it's a lot more than just the afterlife. Cause there were people singing that they're not dead. So true. <laughs> so you missed the beginning then. I caught the, like, I, I, I thought I so the the place that the theater that I went to was a pretty small theater um, and didn't have like the names above the door of any of the movies. So they said it's down there. And I went looking from theater to theater and I didn't see any characters I knew. (laughs) So I went back and forth between like three different theater doors and a maintenance door by accident because nothing was labeled. (laughs) I'm sitting there frantically like, oh, crap, it's. 
you know, whatever time. Oh no. Okay. That's not it. Uh, explosions. That's probably not it. Uh, <laughs> random lady that looks like, um, you know, suburban house mom, maybe. Oh gosh. I don't see Will Ferrell or anybody. What, what do I do? <laughs> Let's see. Mop and bucket. And that's definitely not it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was probably the suburban housewife. Because yeah, it totally was. So <laughs> the, this opened with, a, a different Scrooge type character who is a literal Karen. Like her name is literally Karen. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's having the whole life revelation thing at her grave with the ghost of Christmas future. <laughs> and, and she's, she's like getting sucked into the ground <laughs> and she's like <laughs> promising to repent. And then she kind of stops. And then she kind of starts reverting a little bit like talking about somebody annoying her and then she's getting sucked in more and then she gets pulled in all the way and then all the ghosts are talking like she'll wake up in a few minutes and then she'll change <laughs> so did you see the the part where like the next day when she comes out and she's like playing with the children yeah i did okay. I caught, that was about um where i caught it and basically the dance number started that's when i finally okay. settled into my seat and said okay we're going to take a chance on this one. And if it's not, we'll figure something else. Well, I thought, I thought it was kind of interesting. Like when I watched it, I was like, I feel like I know her. And it was Rose Byrne. Who oh. I'm not like 100% familiar with, but I looked her up and was like, oh, yeah, she's Moira McTaggart in the X-Men trilogy. And also, I didn't realize she was also Dorme in Star Wars Episode Two, the one of the Queen's oh, yeah, yeah. lookalikes, the one that gets killed. She was also the... um. I don't know what you'd call her. She was kind of the rich hoity-toity chick in Bridesmaids. Okay. I haven't seen that. Okay. Well, she's like the the one friend that um, Maya Rudolph's character kind of gets in with, and they do all this stuff that's very high-end and such. So, mm, Okay. Main conflict is with her and uh, Kristen Wiig's character. Anyway, neither here nor there. <laughs> well, in this version... The ghosts, like everything is explained as the ghosts are like running a simulation of people's lives. It's not exactly a dream. They kind of, they like live in another dimension. So they like, they build sets and everything. And then they take people to this other afterlife like dimension and then run a simulation of their past, present and future in order to get them to change. And they do this every year. Right. And honestly, it, it feels like even the way that they move things in and out, it does feel like a stage play when they get yeah, to those points. It does. Yeah. A supernatural stage play. Exactly. The best kind of stage play. <laughs> when I first was watching it, like when they first started explaining, I was like, why do they only pick one person a year? Like, why do they set up all year to just do one person? But then they kind of explain it as they're doing this for the ripples. They pick a specific person who they think if they change, they will cause positive change in many other people. So that's why they target specific people. Yeah, I really like the way that they laid that out. I thought it was cool. Just that whole mm -hmm. kind of behind the scenes. Not that yeah. you'd ever need it, but it added some some fun kind of backstory to the ins and outs. Mm -hmm. And. Was it just me, or did Jacob look like Alistair Sims a bit? I Maybe, and I could have sworn I knew him from somewhere, but maybe that's why I thought I knew him, because I looked him up. I was like, I don't think I've seen anything he's been in. So maybe that's why. Maybe I was just getting flashbacks to a different Scrooge. Like, that's what I kind of got, because I looked him up, too, and I thought, man, uh, I was thinking, I knew I had seen him from somewhere, and it's like, okay, it's at least, the earliest that it is is 90s. Mm -hmm. But you think, like, um, the guy that played Palpatine, you know, he kind of played that role over the course of, you know, 30-odd years, and they just, you know, aged him up. But, yeah, it wasn't the same guy. It was some, um, but, yeah, he definitely had a similar vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his name is Patrick Page, and... I guess he's more of a Broadway actor. Yes. And he's actually played both Scrooge and Marley on Broadway. So oh, he nice. fit the part. Very much so. So you have for your main ghosts, Will Ferrell, of course. He's the ghost of Christmas present. And then Sunita Mani as the ghost of Christmas past. And two people played the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Lauren G. Woods, because he is seven foot, one inch tall. That helps. So he can <laughs> fit the costume. And then Tracy Morgan is the voice. 
Not surprising. That that actually that, when I when I heard him, it's like that voice is so familiar. And then you see him pop up in the credits and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, there you go. OK, I recognized him right away. I haven't watched a whole lot of 30 Rock, but as soon as he started talking, I was like, that's the guy from 30 Rock <laughs> and SNL. And uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely 30 Rock is a more consistent place to see him. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if you're listening to this, you already know we're going to get into spoilers, but as soon as they said that Jacob Marley was the guy in charge, I was like, oh, okay, well, then Scrooge is the ghost of Christmas present. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I mean, there, there was there was a couple things, including what happened to one of the main characters. It's like, okay, the way this is going, you could just kind of say, even by the poster, you can kind of say, okay, this is going to happen, and certain people are going to take over the role of uh, ghost of Christmas present. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think that going in, but the second they said that was Jacob Marley who was leading everything, I was like, okay, well, if he's still around and he's not in hell or whatever happens to the ghosts, then obviously Scrooge is going to be here too. And I mean, of all the people playing the ghosts, Will Ferrell fits fits the look of Scrooge better than the others. So, oh, definitely. I mean, you could have a gender swap Scrooge, but you already had that in Gremlins. There's been there's lots of gender swap Scrooge. Oh yeah, <laughs> like but anything let's be on the honest. Hallmark Channel, anything on the Hallmark <laughs> Channel, I've done so many. <laughs> they they do gender swap Scrooge all the time. <laughs> but let's be honest, Mrs. Deagle was far and away the the most interesting. <laughs> She would have been a good Scrooge. They Very they much. could have done a really good Scrooge with her. <laughs> but yeah, they play that up like it's a huge reveal towards the end. But I figured it out <laughs> like five minutes oh, yeah. in. Whenever they announced Jacob Marley, it's like, okay, well, I know where this is going. Exactly. I did wonder uh, when they said that he had been um, Ghost of Christmas present for 46 seasons. I wonder how they equate seasons. I don't know. I mean, it feels like it was just a number tossed out because he said that he was in research for 10 years and then he moved up to um, the Ghost of Christmas Present. So maybe he's one of the people like you had that group of people who are like commenting on things that were happening. Maybe he was one of those that like set the stage or whatever at first. Quite possibly. Because who knows how everything works. Yeah, it's a big thing to pick up if you're just new to it. Mm hmm. In the afterlife realm, they have a Hall of the Redeemed. And if I had had a chance to watch this more than once, I would have gone through and just paused throughout this to see who all I could <laughs> see, because I know there's got to be more Easter eggs. The The two that stood out to me, and I, I don't know if it got close enough that I could have read the tag, but there was a statue of a dog. So apparently one year they picked a dog <laughs> to go after. <laughs> and then dolly parton was in there (laughs) that was also in the trivia i was gonna bring that up that was that was kind of neat although i don't think she was ever anything but an awesome person it's like oh no that's when i first noticed her i was like why on earth would they have dolly parton in here however once it talked more about the ripples I was like, Dolly Parton, she's basically become a humanitarian. Like, she donates so much money. She has children's programs giving books to kids who can't afford them. She does so much stuff. So I was like, I think they're probably going for that. Maybe, who knows, maybe she was a kid when they went at her. But like, (laughs) they're, they're saying that because of the work that they did with her she turned her life around and now she's made the world a much better place than it would have been without her true, which i i'm true. hoping that's what they're going for because tolly parton i don't think is somebody you could say well she is a scrooge yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and it might have been on a small scale too I mean, who knows i mean that's mm-hmm. like you said it, it's easter eggs above everything else so yeah I did also, did you happen to catch the other, um, not that there weren't um, a lot of people of note, and they mentioned her, but did you happen to catch the other, like, big kind of cameo in this? Are you talking about the one in the, when they go back to Scrooge's past? I don't remember 100% where it was. (laughs) Judy Dench? Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Where did that come from? It's like, holy, what the, what, um, I mean, that's great, but why? It was was like out of left field. She was there one minute and gone the next. She had like one line. (laughs) 
Like I was writing notes on my phone because I saw this at a theater and I was writing a note and then all of a sudden I hear Judy Dench and then I look up and it's like, oh crap, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was during the, the musical number in Scrooge's past. Like they had a line about Judy Dench being there and she came in. I think she said one line and then she was gone. <laughs> they flew her all the way from England for that. No, kidding. I don't know. <laughs> Well, these days she could have been on a green screen. She wouldn't have even had to have been there. True. <laughs> Who knows? Very true. Well, the main story revolves around a character named Clint Briggs, who is the Scrooge character of this movie. And the ghosts are following him as they're doing their research to figure out the, the next person to change. They've just finished this Christmas. That was the, the Karen that they've converted. So now they're picking a new person to work on throughout this year. And they're going after this guy who's like a marketing influencer. I'm not sure exactly what his role is, but he like, they talk about him like he specializes in social media disinformation campaigns. Basically, yeah. He basically uses internet outrage and hate to sell products. Absolutely so. And I think you kind of get that that um, PR manager type, but Mm -hmm. more social media than just, you know, probably handles everything. But yeah. There's no such thing as bad press. He basically knows how to weaponize people's worst instincts in order to sell things. Which was an interesting take. And he's using it to sell Christmas trees. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was actually, you get so much of that now, but it is actually quite hilarious. Mm -hmm. And the other main character is, I think it's his vice president. First, I thought she was a secretary, but I think she's referred to as the vice president. Yeah. Kind of right-hand woman. Yeah, her name is Kimberly, and this is Octavia Spencer. We should say Ryan Reynolds plays Clint Briggs, but I think everybody already knows that. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised to see her in this. Not that, because I don't know, this for as big, quote unquote, as this movie is, it doesn't feel like a big movie. Does that make sense? Probably because it's, I mean, it is in theaters, but like it was mainly an Apple TV film. So True. those don't generally feel like they're i don't know a big blockbuster no that that is true i guess it, i guess for all the names in this and i'm sure it was probably a case of oh this sounds like fun you know it'll be a, a day paycheck or whatever i i didn't expect all the big people that ended up in this mm-hmm. yeah there were more than i expected and she's probably the biggest one that i wasn't expecting oh absolutely this i mean besides like something that she would do besides judy dench of course oh of course yes <laughs> And I didn't even know that she could sing Octavia Spencer. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, she was great. I I think I read that this is the first time that she sung on film. So if that's the case, then she really did well for not having done it before. Agreed. Very much so. I I enjoyed uh, the whole um, calling Ryan Reynolds a combination of Mussolini and Seacrest. (laughs) Well, the main crux of the film comes in that Marley deems Clint to be unredeemable. He says it would be nearly impossible. It's only ever been done once before. And at that point, I was like, yeah, it was Scrooge, right? Exactly. (laughs) And I feel like I should just call him Scrooge. I I wrote down present, even though I knew it was probably going to be revealed that he was Scrooge. But Scrooge, the ghost of Christmas present, doesn't want to accept this. He threatens to retire immediately if they don't choose Clint. And he starts to sing a song, but Marley immediately relents. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the afterlife is a musical. You should have, he should have been on board with this. <laughs> he should have, but I suppose, you know, even he has his limits of, of, of songs and such. I mean, this isn't Les Mis, so... <laughs> I did like how in the credits, like they they go back and they do the entirety of the song. Yeah, yeah, and I really liked that song too. Yeah, it was sharp. And then there's like the random—I don't even know if they're fourth wall breaks, but it's like a pause in the movie or in the action, and they're just like, "Oh, stop, stop, stop! We're not going to do another song." It's like they kind of step out of the movie mm-hmm. and kind of break character. Not that not that they break character, but they kind of break character a bit. It was like they cracked the fourth wall instead of fully breaking it like the thing exactly. about the afterlife being a musical the the way they did, said it at first it sounded like that they knew they were in a movie mm-hmm. it was like well everything's musical like what do you mean everything's musical the afterlife <laughs> <laughs> 
I do hope the afterlife is a musical. I think that would be fun. Yeah. I also did. <laughs> this is so random, but um, with the ghost of Christmas past, she was infatuated with Ryan Reynolds, character. And she talks about how there's no hot girl summers for Christmas past. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should mention too. We talked about present threatening to retire. Apparently in this afterlife, when someone retires they get to be human again so if he retired he would go back to earth apparently at his current age like he wouldn't go back as a baby and grow up again he would just go back and be a human as he is now so that becomes important later yeah very much so i wonder how old scrooge was supposed to be because you know not that will ferrell looks old old like 70s but he doesn't exactly look like he's 40 i'm not sure like a lot of different versions of a Christmas Carol, that Scrooge is supposed to be old, but some some look older than others. And with this one, like you had the flashbacks to when he was Scrooge, and he looked like ancient, but they put on a ton of makeup and bad teeth and yeah. a terrible frizzy wig. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not and, sure exactly what his age is supposed to be. Yeah. Well, and too, I mean, I'm sure that some of the aging part of it, maybe not so much for other versions of A Christmas Carol, but definitely this one, play into the fact that evil makes you look older. Yeah, yeah. So the ghosts spend the next year getting ready for the next Christmas, and they're like following Clint around, doing research on him, and they learn that he has a niece which whenever I watch a version of A Christmas Carol, I like try and figure out who is who, mm -hmm. like who is supposed to be the stand-in for which character. And to me, the niece seemed to be a stand-in for both Nephew Fred and Tiny Tim. I Not would agree with that. More, uh, slightly more Nephew Fred because she wasn't like, she didn't have an illness or anything. Right, right. But she would fit for Nephew Fred because she was his sister's only child, and his sister has died. So that's where that fit in for me, I guess. Well, and I, I think to some extent, his brother kind of plays the other half of Fred there, too, because he's endlessly yeah. optimistic. And yes, they kind of took the character of Fred and kind of split him a bit. Yeah, that's that was what I was also thinking. But his brother has a well, not that nephew Fred always has a pronounced role, but his I guess his brother would fit into that because he wasn't in the movie a whole lot. It did focus more on the niece. Mm -hmm. Even though he was there, he was just kind of in the background. Yeah. Yeah. It was more based around the comings and goings. Like it all kind of revolved finally around um, his niece. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And then I was also thinking of Kimberly as being in the Cratchit role. Oh, yeah. Very much so. A slightly different take on it. But yeah, definitely mm -hmm. in that in that realm. She reminded me more of the character in the Cratchit role in Scrooged. Oh, yeah, very much. But then she also kind of plays like falling under his influence and, and you know, the, you know, going towards a little bit more of that evil side, even though she hates mm -hmm. herself for what she does. Yeah. And there are versions of A Christmas Carol that do play with that. The one that comes to mind first and foremost is a Barbie in A Christmas Carol. <laughs> because <laughs> in that version, the dark future includes the person in the Cratchit role taking on everything about Scrooge and becoming awful, just like the Scrooge character. Ah, interesting. So the niece, when they're following Clint, they you learn that the niece is running for student council and she's asking Clint for help. And at first he doesn't want anything to do with this, but then he decides to have Kimberly do opposition research on her opponent for student council because apparently this kid is like a super nice kid who gets all straight A's and his parents were in a homeless shelter and he's like, Kimberly can find something. So he sends Kimberly off to do the research and Scrooge slash present follows her just in case this is important to the story later. And you learn that she's conflicted about all the things that her boss is making her do. But she does it anyways. And she finds a video of this kid, the other person running for student council, in his parents' homeless shelter calling homeless people gross. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as a sixth, like, I think he was a sixth grader at the time, yeah. underneath that, that set of rules, that does make him cancelable. <laughs> yes. 
That is one thing with this. They do, with for good reason, play heavily into social media and the concept yeah. of canceling and like all of the negative comments and how it drive, mm-hmm. like how bullying drives people. And it takes it in some directions I didn't expect. Oh, to- totally. Yeah. Like I thought they did a really good job with that. I thought so too. So present is with Kimberly and suddenly she can see him like in most versions of Christmas Carol, no one can see the ghosts except for the person that they're haunting. But Kimberly can see the ghosts of Christmas present and he tells her who he is, and she thinks it's a joke. So then he starts calling himself Roberto. <laughs> Throughout this scene with them talking, you can tell that he really likes her. And it seems like the feeling might be mutual. You have a brief scene in here where he's watching Jimmy Fallon talking <laughs> about the Christmas tree war that he has incited. <laughs> And at this point, this is where the haunting begins. Jacob Marley goes in, which I wasn't sure why Jacob Marley is the one who goes in. Like, it made sense when it was Scrooge, because Marley, like, he's he's in Scrooge's past. So when it started explaining what was going on, I was like, okay, well, then it's his sister that's going to go back in and haunt him, because his sister has died by this point. But then it was Marley, and I was like, what? (laughs) Why is it Marley? (laughs) (laughs) like complete with the chains and the cash boxes and everything it just just seemed kind of weird that it was marley i mean the scene no i agree the scene is very good but yeah it was yeah it does and it's like i suppose it's why he's like oh is this a dream i mean i'm sure that that it's not just a a random scary thing coming to you know take Mm -hmm. you down it's or i guess that's exactly what it is is a is a random scary thing but Mm -hmm. i feel like it would have had more of an impact on him if it had been his sister though well, and I suppose that's why they kept that for like the big, the kicker moment. Because mm-hmm. if she had come first, I don't know. It's yeah. kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah. Well, Marley leaves. He tells the other ghosts that it's basically pointless. So past goes in and you can before, tell that she has. Before we go further, I did love the way um the random breaks happen. Like Ryan Reynolds keeps on like interrupting and asking questions. Oh, yes. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. <laughs> so Past goes in, and you can tell that she has a thing for him. Like, she's before this. She's talked about how attractive he is. And I think it's back with the other ghosts. You don't really see much of what's happening. And then she comes back and says that she did something very unprofessional and has left him in the <laughs> 80s. So she so she wants present to go in and take over for her because he's just too attractive. You know, that that is for someone that's probably done it for a good long time, that was rather unprofessional. Yes. Of course, that's just me. If I was face to face with Ryan Reynolds, I you know what? I might have done the same thing. <laughs> well, at this point, present goes in and he sees Clint's tragic backstory. <laughs> This this kind of gave me shades of some of the Hallmark versions. Oh, I'm sure. Because <laughs> a lot of the Hallmark versions will have, like, they'll be set in modern day. So you'll go back to the 80s and you'll just have, like, parents being terrible. So in this one, <laughs> Clint's mother is pretending to give him a puppy for Christmas, but she didn't actually get him a puppy. She just tells him that she did and that it escaped. So then he's all distraught and trying to find the puppy but then clint tells present that it was the best lesson he's ever gotten because he learned that people will believe anything that they really want to and he wanted a dog so bad it was easier for him to believe that he had a dog and it was lost than that he never had a dog at all and that's a neat way to spin it to kind of be like well you know this massive heartbreak that killed me you know Mm -hmm. made me stronger kind of a thing Mm -hmm. and then you fast forward later in his life and you have someone I thought that was going to end up being a Belle type character because it's he has a girlfriend, but she doesn't really have too much of a role and she can see through how bad he is. So right. she wasn't as big of a character as you would have expected because she doesn't last very long in the story. Well, and that whole thing kind of goes back to more of um, Ghost of Christmas or well, Scrooge's story, kind of. Mm like that's what they they reference it a little bit later on and it's like oh yeah i guess that makes sense i mean mm-hmm. they're probably 
when they're trying to plan, they're probably like, you know, tossing everything at the wall and just seeing what sticks. Mm -hmm. Since he is such a hard nut to crack. Well, at this point in his life, you have a scene where they're meeting up with his family at a mall and his sister reveals that she's going to have a baby. And she, I think she's doing like in vitro fertilization. I'm yeah. not sure if it's said exactly, but I mean it's essentially sperm bank, so yeah, something like that. She does she's not married, she doesn't have a partner, she just wants a baby. So she's paying for a procedure. And screw I was gonna call it screw Clint. <laughs> <laughs> Clint is not supportive of this idea. And this is where his girlfriend breaks up with him. I mean, from the perspective, it's it's not it's not outside now, it's not an outside the box argument for someone to say, hey. You have the support, but you don't have the support to do this on your own kind of a Mm -hmm. thing. But to be that kind of callous, it's like, dude. Yeah. So we fast forward even further, and he's being fired from his job for using all of his terrible tactics. So he's starting his own company, and he takes Kimberly with him. And then he kind of plays the, um, the, his boss there kind of plays the Fezziwig role. That's kind of what I was thinking. It was just a little bit more downplayed like Fezziwig like has the big party and like everybody loves him and this wasn't too much of that I guess he fit just fills the role in that he was kind of his mentor for a while right exactly he tried to teach him right from wrong but uh yeah Clint wasn't having any of that yeah so you fast forward a little bit further and his sister is dying she's gonna ask him a question which you probably can just guess that she's going to want him to take her daughter. Mm -hmm. But he freaks out. He runs off. And then he ends up like running through his memories and into the headquarters, like out of the simulated past and into the afterlife realm, however that works. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I mean, it's like the backstage of any, any, uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So he ends up finding Presence study and finds a lot of pictures of Kimberly. And he also Mm -hmm. finds his file, which shows him that he's been deemed unredeemable. He's all upset about this when Presence shows up, but then he takes him through another door into his own past. This is where you get revealed that he was Scrooge. And you also have a random like it, it turned out not to be random but i thought it was kind of hilarious that he died just a few weeks after he was redeemed <laughs> <laughs> and he said the leading cause of death back then was january <laughs> <laughs> there were some very like like really smart comedy moments in this i will say uh-huh, you, yeah. you have to watch for them but they come up they, they come up and go and they're yeah. just awesome yeah also i love the fact that good day is like just a terrible thing to say <laughs> i was gonna look sorry. that up good afternoon they... good afternoon yeah. I'm sorry not good day was that real or did they make that up i i was gonna look that up but i forgot i'm pretty sure that it was just made up you know that it's more the t- good afternoon kind of a deal yeah that's i kind of wondered but they made such a big deal out of it it was like <laughs> i didn't know if that was based on something real or not let me just look it up here oh it's an innocuous phrase is not a historic insult okay but it is what dickens wrote scrooge would yell at various other characters in older versions of a christmas carol from the 40s and 50s would use that vernacular as if it was a bad word okay so it's the way that it's said more than anything else so they just took that to the next level and made it you know quite rude yeah okay that makes sense yeah this is where judy dench comes in in the middle of the big good afternoon (laughs) musical number (laughs) i also loved how uh things kind of got turned for the first time and ryan reynolds kind of plays devil's advocate Mm -hmm. yeah he's asking him a ton of questions about his past and this is where the thing about him dying a few weeks later is important or you start to get hints that it was important because he asked him if he was actually redeemed Because, like, he only lived a few more weeks. Like, what's to say he wouldn't have reverted back to his old ways? Right. And I guess this kind of gives him sort of, like, a crisis of conscience. Like, wondering, was I actually redeemed? Am I actually a good person? And I wonder if that was with him before. It could have been. 
Like, just the way that he wanted to go after someone irredeemable in the same way that he was. Yeah, because he did, like, thinking back to the way the whole thing started, like, with him getting really upset about, like, Marley did not want to go after Clint because he was unredeemable, and he's really upset about that. That does make sense. Like, if he already had that in the back of his mind. Right. Like, he wanted to prove he was actually a good person. Exactly. I will also say that during the song, there was an Oliver an Oliver reference that was kind of fun. <laughs> yes, Oliver Twist shows up for some reason. <laughs> I mean, it's Victorian, you know, London. Why would it not? <laughs> I mean, it's Dickens. I mean, if, if Scrooge can be real, then there's a Dickens cinematic universe. And, <laughs> and Oliver Twist is also real. Exactly. <laughs> but Marley ends up intervening here, taking them back and forcing them to go by the book. So then you have present in his actual role, like as he is in the story, like in the big green robe on top of the giant pile of food and delights and whatever else. <laughs> and, and it cracked me up because Clint called it a, a giant toilet of food. <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but it kind of... Not, not, it doesn't look like that, but I could see where he would get that from. And and present trying to get off of the the big mound of food and slipping in everything that was that was pretty great. Yes, they they also have a scene here where they're flying through the sky, and I think they just you did that because they didn't have that with past, because normally it's past that takes the character flying through the sky. But then they turn it into a joke because they end up right back where they started. <laughs> oh, that was so awesome. <laughs> and this is the party, too, where you get Cousin Eddie and Elf and um, uh, the Heat Miser and a whole bunch of other random characters. <laughs> yeah, and you have everybody there talking about him behind his back. And his brother is, like, trying to defend him. Kimberly is here again. She can also see Scrooge here. And she's kind of flirting with him. And Clint is mad about everything and, dra and drags him away. And she can't see Clint, though, for some reason. I'm not sure what, like, like I said, I don't really understand the rules of this. I just kind of go with it. <laughs> and that's the thing, too. It's It doesn't take itself terribly seriously. So mm -hmm. you do have to hold it to a certain level of rules. But mm -hmm. you certainly don't have to. It's not a movie to go, you know, write down all the rules and go, oh, well, they broke this one. Mm-hmm. You have a brief scene with him taking him to see that his ex-girlfriend now has a family and is happy. And you sometimes get that in versions, like they'll they'll see that Belle has moved on and had a family without Scrooge. I'm not sure if that's from the book or not, but it doesn't happen in many versions. So it was kind of nice that they had that in this one. Agreed. Well, and I think that just to follow up with her to kind of say, hey, this is what mm -hmm. you could have had. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously that hit uh, present more than it did Clint. Yes, because he's like imagining himself having a life on Earth. And uh, there's a scene in here somewhere where he's imagining a life with Kimberly. Which was cute. They were adorable. Mm -hmm. And at some point they end up at the homeless shelter where his niece's political opponent is working. And they see his dad taking a picture and telling him to post it, saying maybe it'll earn him some votes. So this kid posts the picture of him helping at the homeless shelter. And I guess the his niece must have notifications on for this guy or something, because <laughs> like she instantly knows that he's posted. And when his post goes up, she posts the video that Kimberly found. And it instantly goes viral and his campaign is ruined. Absolutely. Because that's how it works, uh, you know, in the real world. <laughs> yes. And Clint starts to feel a little bit bad about this, but he's trying to justify himself that he says that there's a lesson in there that when you run for office, your past is fair game. <laughs> and then <laughs> Scrooge slash pass response to this. I had to pause the movie because it made me laugh so hard. He said, he posted that when he was in sixth grade, you butt crack. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, the language. I would have fainted dead away had I not been in public. 
There's just something about him yelling that just I, I couldn't stop laughing. I had to pause the movie. Well, that is a very Will Ferrell thing to say. You know, if it you is. think like SNL, like that is that is by and large him. So he can see that he's not really getting anywhere with him. He calls past and he asks her to queue up the memory from the hospital that he ran out of. And you see that his sister had asked him to take her daughter. And he refuses and passes it off onto their little brother. So they're arguing after this and Marley intervenes. Clint knows that his question from earlier is still bugging him. And now Scrooge wants to know if he was actually redeemed. And then they have a whole musical number that I liked that one. Like some of the music, like it all seemed very Broadway and it all seemed very similar. But there were a couple that stood out to me that I really liked. One was the Unredeemable song. Then, of course, Good Afternoon. Absolutely. That was amazing. I also did like and there's a few variations on it, which you get that oftentimes, as you you know, as you say, in Broadway. Mm -hmm. Um, But the view from here, kind of how it changes depending upon what the situation is. Mm, Okay. I mean, it's a, it's a very straightforward, simple song, but yeah. I like the fact that it was perspective based on where they were. Mm-hmm. But after this, he immediately decides to retire right then and there. He wants to go back to Earth and find out if he's actually a better person. So he and Clint wake up together, and he <laughs> now has to get used to being a human. He doesn't realize that everyone can see him, and he can't walk through walls anymore. He also enjoys back scratches and long showers. <laughs> uh, very random, but everybody has their thing. <laughs> He's going to take a bat or a shower once a month. He needs one of those, um, what are they called? They're like a, a scrub brush with really hard bristles. He needs one oh, of those like a so loop, he can give himself a, a back scratch in a, in a long shower. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Also, the outfit, the fact that it was... Uh, uh, a little, a little uh, fashionably tight. Yes, <laughs> but Kimberly liked that. Oh yeah, well, how could you not? So he and Kimberly leave together, and he tells Clint to watch out for the next ghost because he's coming soon, and he wants him to just hear him out. So they go off and they have sort of a date. They go on a walk, and that's where you get the view from here, and they mm-hmm. kiss. I will also say that. Um, Clint is very, like, and obviously he's been going through this entire thing, both kind of being devil's advocate and learning from present. Mm-hmm. But um, when he understands what's going on, he seems like he's not open to it per se, but he goes along with all of it, mm-hmm. which was interesting. Yeah. You know, he's not trying to go, nope, nope. You know, he doesn't stomp his feet and go, nope, not dealing with this. Yeah. Once in a while, you get a Scrooge that does that. And those are those aren't usually my favorites. No, understood. Just that amount of openness was, I guess, a a little surprising. Mm -hmm. In a good way, but still. Well, I thought it was interesting in this version. You have him, like when he sees himself when he has died in the future, he's had a long life. He's died at 93. Mm -hmm. The thing that ends up getting him is that you follow his niece's political rival, and you see that after she has posted this video... And it's gone viral. He apparently killed himself, which that went to a dark place that I was not expecting this movie no, to go. Absolutely not. And they kept it. it it's not that it was graphic, but it no, was definitely you don't like even it was see a it happen. No, you but it was know. yeah, it was kind of a memorial setup and there was rain falling and stuff. Yeah, it was it definitely hit out of left field. Mm-hmm. But it worked for this movie. Oh yeah. Like the whole social media thing, like it fit in perfectly. It did. And very relevant for a lot of what happens. Mm-hmm. And it, there's even a point earlier in the movie where Ryan Reynolds says, you know, we're not going to kill the kid. And it's like, well, you, you, you kind of killed the kid. Yeah, I forgot about that. But yeah, he did. Yeah. But at this point, he freaks out and he runs off past and future together, chase him down. Future is like furious that Scrooge present has quit. He's like upset about losing his best friend and he's taking it out on Clint at this point and he just tosses him <laughs> into the into his grave and he wakes up at present day. He now is trying to stop his niece from posting the video. So he finds Scrooge. They go together. 
they they take a cab and i thought it was hilarious the cab, the driver tells them good afternoon and like scrooge is like <laughs> dragging him out of the cab in fury <laughs> 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 also the cab and there were a couple of other references throughout this that were very much like scrooge but the whole cab thing was mm. very much um uh was it ghost of christmas past yeah it was so they get to the ice rink where his niece had posted the video from and they get there right as the kid is posting his post about working at the homeless shelter and he tries to stop her just in time but kimberly has gotten there first and she had already told her that it wouldn't be right to post the video. So she's not even planning on it at this point. Kimberly has had a complete change of heart. She quits immediately. And then everybody's making up and hugging. And he does, it doesn't even really care that she's quit. He's right. glad that everything has worked out. Scrooge is all excited at this point because he thinks that he is reformed. He thinks that Marley and past and future are coming to congratulate him on changing like they did at the beginning of the movie with the Karen. But they don't show up and Clint tells him that he hasn't really changed. He just wanted to take back one terrible thing that he did and that's all. He's probably going to go back to work next week and everything's going to be the same. He'll probably feel guilty for a couple mm -hmm. of days, but he'll rationalize it and get over it. Exactly. And to some extent, I did, had the movie ended here, and I know it doesn't follow the traditional Christmas Carol-like mm -hmm. story, it would have been very much the way we deal with present-day things. Mm -hmm. And you try to write those things that are super wrong, and you realize that you can't fix everything. But then it goes on from there, and it definitely, it, it brings you from a place of, you know, reconcilable, reconcilable, reconciliable, that's not even a word, is it? An ending Something you like can, <laughs> it's an ending that you can reconcile with to an ending that's, it's bittersweet, but it's a much more solid ending. Yeah, there were a few places in here that it could have ended and it would have made sense. That was one of them. And then Scrooge is now upset. He runs off. He wants, uh, it, he runs into traffic. He's going to kill himself too. <laughs> uh, but Do you think he meant to? Well, yeah, I guess he did because he stood in front of a bus. Yeah, he, he says he needs to get back to the afterlife because he wants to intervene again. He, he says there's still time for Clint to change. It's still Christmas, so they're not out of time. So the only way he can get back is if he dies. So that's why he runs out into traffic. And Clint is telling him to come back to Kimberly, but Scrooge thinks that he's unworthy at this point. And Clint gives him a speech about he's already good, but there's no quick fix. You need to be put in the work to become a better person, which to that point, I think it, that could have been a good ending and a good perfect moral, too, because that is more a little bit more realistic than A Christmas Carol. True. And it because, works with modern story as well. Yes, because that is how someone becomes a better person. You don't normally have one life-changing moment and then you're instantly better. Exactly. You have to put in the work. And I thought that if they had ended it there, that would have been perfect. But Scrooge runs into traffic anyways, and Clint runs in to save him, and then everything freezes. The ghosts appear. He's redeemed. They have another musical number. And then the song ends, and he still gets hit by the bus. <laughs> and he dies. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I love how, um, how Jacob and... Uh christmas future have like chili and they're just standing there like eating it talking about how clint has has you know bitten the dust mm -hmm. they basically say that of course he has to die because otherwise his sacrifice wouldn't have meant anything so his sister appears and she's going to take him into the light and then he stops them and he has a proposal so then you fast forward a few years and now he is working the job as christmas present and he's wanting to expand into other holidays. <laughs> the ghost of Ramadan past, the ghost of Hanukkah yet to come. <laughs> and apparently you can get married in the afterlife because it looks like he and the ghost of Christmas past are married. <laughs> and if they're not, they're a couple. <laughs> well, you like, know, okay. it, afterlife is a musical. There are there are marriages in musicals. So in theory, sure. yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not sure if he was like sharing the job because he and his sister were both there and they were dressed the same. 
So I don't know if they were both working as the ghost of Christmas present. And if they weren't, then she's in some sort of like vice president role because she was working with him in some capacity. So then he goes to visit Scrooge and Kimberly. And by this point, they have kids and he wants Scrooge to help him with a case. But it's actually a reprise of the opening song. And that's the end. Yep. And then you also have the deleted song over the credits. Exactly. And then I don't know if you stayed through the entire credits, but there was a bonus scene at the end. Was there? Oh, <laughs> darn it. It wasn't that big, but like at the beginning when they were trying to pick who to choose, they were going through this hotel because Clint was like giving a speech in a big conference room or something. But there was a hotel manager who was berating somebody talking about how nobody should be seeing the janitor or whatever. That was actually funny because uh, at that point, and I, I have it written down and I didn't mention it before, but um, past, I think it's past says to, about him, oh, he's uh, he doesn't follow the Canadian stereotype because he's just <laughs> super rude. Yeah, because that was taking place in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the bonus scene at the end was the hotel manager has now been chosen because he starts getting haunted. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then that's the end. It was cute. It it really was cute. I mean, I think it has the legs to become like a staple. I think it does too. Just because it's different. It, yeah. it, you know, it, it takes the whole Christmas Carol thing and kind of flips it on his head. It's not just Scrooge, you know, affecting other people, but Scrooge is also being affected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that this one has more staying power than some other more recent ones. Because it's not that christmas carol versions are a dime a dozen but there's two this year yeah and i feel like this one's going to stick around a lot longer than the other one Agreed. the other one is okay but i don't think it's going to have that much appeal beyond kids like it really is a kids movie we talked about it in the episode that, that will probably come out right before this one yay it's make sure to check it out <laughs> link in description yeah. it's, it's basically a kids movie it has a little bit more to offer it's it's a weird movie too it's kind of bizarre like watch it for just how straight like half the time in the movie i was going what is this movie <laughs> <laughs> like the ghost of christmas present is a giant cat person and he's surrounded by these little gremlin elf creatures that eventually turn into demons when the ghost of christmas oh. future turns up <laughs> it's bizarre it's a weird version that is very interesting I, I will say that, and and obviously not every, there's only so many ways that you could take a Christmas Carol. You know, you've got like the Scrooge route, you have the um the Muppet Christmas Carol route. This is a very unique take on the yeah. whole premise. It also reminded me of that other version that you and I did a year or two ago, the yeah, miniseries. Scrooge. Oh, no, the yeah, miniseries, that... the, the yeah. one that I didn't like. <laughs> the, the one that's like, it's not R-rated, but it's like the TV version of R. It, it's very realistic. Like for the time, it was probably relatively realistic. But just the way that they built on the mythology, I guess, is what I'm talking about. Ah, got it. Like there was a whole thing about Marley was trying to be redeemed himself and he needed to get Scrooge to repent in order for him to be redeemed. And they kind of fleshed out a little bit how that afterlife works. That's true. So that's that's why this reminded me of that. I liked this version way better than that one. <laughs> no <of course>. way. <laughs> Come on. I couldn't but, tell. <laughs> but it's just they, they put more thought into how the afterlife worked, which you don't always get. And not that you need that, because sometimes you don't really need things to be explained. And right. I wouldn't say that A Christmas Carol needs everything to be explained. But if you're going to do it, do it well. And I think that this one did it well. It did it very well. There's no doubt about that. It, it took it. I don't know. Like it just, it was fresh. Yeah. Even if I won't, I don't think it's a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I did walk out of it on. I, I didn't, I didn't anticipate liking this as much as I did. No, like I thought, oh, okay. You know, it's going to be, cause you think about all the Christmas movies that come out in the course of, you know, the, the season mm-hmm. and they can't all be Santa Claus and the ice cream bunny, you know? <laughs> <laughs> thankfully not <laughs> oh come on you know you like that <laughs> but you know it's you think about them and they all kind of follow that same path or a very mm-hmm. similar path yeah and this one it did but it did it in a very unique way and it was something outside the box and 
you know, it it played that that Broadway thing, but it didn't like overstay its welcome. There mm-hmm. wasn't more songs than there should have been, you know, and th- there's a couple of fourth wall breaks. There's some funny moments. I don't know that this is necessarily for kids, no. but it is like teen and up. I think yeah. you're going to enjoy it generally. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a good, a good movie for most people. It it wouldn't be that great for kids. I don't think kids would be interested in some of it anyways, but it is a good movie. And I, probably will rewatch this one at some point. And Agreed. I can't say that about every person that I watched. <laughs> oh no, absolutely. I mean, like for me, this Scrooge uh Christmas story, um, National Lampoons, you know, the it it falls into that that area of movies I will definitely re- revisit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really liked this one. I did too. And again, I wasn't expecting like I, I went in kind of cynical, like, uh it's gonna be fine. <laughs> I'm going to walk out and it's going to be like, yeah, it was okay. But like it changed my entire mood. <laughs> that doesn't right. happen real long. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So when I first heard about it, like I said, I was extremely cynical. I was like, well, this is going to be terrible because <laughs> Will Ferrell can be hit or miss for me. Oh, 100%. Like some, sometimes I'll like him. Sometimes he'll really annoy me. And I kind of just figured that this was going to be one of the ones that was going to annoy me. (laughs) (laughs) But then after Rachel reviewed it well, I was like, okay, maybe I'll be cautiously optimistic. Yeah. And then it it still was better than I expected. So, absolutely. Yeah, it was was an out of left field kind of movie. And again, I don't think I... It's not a perfect movie by any stretch, but as Mm -hmm. far as Christmas movies go in this, in this cal or in this genre... Like, yeah. you know, where it's a little bit more goofy. Yeah. It, it has source material and it's kind of taken a, like a slight angle on that. It was incredibly well done. And you can't say that about every adaptation of a classic story. Yeah, no, definitely not. I mean, one wrong decision or one change decision could have made this just a sappy mess or, mm-hmm. you know, something like, I don't know, like a, it could have been too much Will Ferrell. Yes. <laughs> Balance was was incredibly good like it didn't fall into like weird parody snl territory yeah they played it just enough serious and just enough tongue-in-cheek that it worked right and everybody seemed to understand they were having fun with the roles but they didn't like go over the top and you know make it something it shouldn't have been yeah which in itself is actually pretty amazing (laughs) (laughs) yes and then he had the music got part of it. And like you said, the, a lot of the music kind of had a similar sound, but the, mm-hmm. the the songs that mattered really, they did a good job of mattering. Yeah. And even the ones that I suppose you could classify as a little bit more forgettable, they were still good enough that I would listen to them. Like oh, yeah. I wouldn't mind an album of this because it would just be good to mix into your other Christmas playlist. Oh, absolutely. Or just generally even. Mm-hmm. Like the Good Day song would be good darn near any time of year, really. (laughs) (laughs) Or not Good Day, for goodness sake. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, yes. Good afternoon. And even just the, I I guess I just assumed that they were just making fun of stuff, but the fact that it actually has a little bit of like background to it is actually kind of awesome. Yeah. I did really enjoy, and we mentioned this a couple of times, but um, they refer to Scrooge a couple of times. And like I say, the... The cab scene just, it was like, ah, <laughs> kind of a thing, you know, I, I don't know. I know it's not a perfect Christmas movie, but I really love Scrooge. And to see that part, especially because I think the cab is probably like top five for mm-hmm. me. So, <laughs> or top five things in Scrooge. So, yeah. Well, I think that's going to be all for our discussion on Spirited. Do you want to let people know where they can find you if they want more from you? Well, first, let me just say to you, good afternoon. Well, I never. (laughs) And to that I say, good afternoon, sir. (laughs) Uh, uh, So you can find me uh, here on YouTube at Trivial Theater. I do a wide array of random, obscure, and straight-up bad movies. Um, By the time this comes out, uh, there will be new content on my channel. I'm just not 100% sure what yet. Uh, So definitely stay tuned (laughs) and check that out. I am doing a few Christmas-related things. Um, they may not just quite come out at Christmas. So we'll see. 
That's kind of how I'm feeling about some of my stuff right now. <laughs> I'm so busy. I'm not sure if all this is going to make it before Christmas. Hey, I'm going to try, but we'll see. Hey, the 12 days of Christmas start on Christmas. Okay. So <laughs> that I, makes I, me I'd feel say, a little better. <laughs> I'd say that you're probably okay. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Trivial Theater. Okay. Well, I will have links to those in the description. And to all those uh, listening, good afternoon. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> How could you not? <laughs> Run a joke into the ground. Call it a day. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Every Version Ever podcast. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you prefer. And of course, make sure to follow my co-hosts as well. Any relevant links will be in the description for easy access. And we'll see you soon to talk about another brand new version of A Christmas Carol. Thanks for listening and Merry Christmas.